0: Hey everyone, welcome to Hit The Apex Podcast, it's Jawad here as always, and thank you for joining me this week. We're rushing towards the end of September already. Where's all the time gone, as people would say? Um, And we are in the Asian leg of the F1 season, so not long now, before the end, and I'm sure a lot of people who have had to sit through and not particularly enjoy the Red Bull domination and Max Verstappen domination of the season. We'll be hoping, oh, well, it'll be over soon. But it actually was over over the weekend in Singapore because the streak was broken. Neither Max Verstappen or Red Bull won. And I was saying last week or on the last show that it's gotten to the stage now where I one of those people who would love to see them go on and win every race just to tick that unique box in F1 history where a single constructor has won every single race of the season and to do it when you know you've got 20 plus Grand Prix on a calendar you know credit more to you but very much like 1988 Ferrari had to come and spoil the party and we'll talk plenty about the Singapore Grand Prix and whatnot and I'm not being negative it's not that I'm don't like Red Bull. Well, I don't like Red Bull for for different reasons. But you know they've been doing such a great job this season. And you know if they went on to win all the races, all the remaining races, including of of one in Singapore, then you know it's it's great. You know credit to them. But no, we had a smooth operator. I'm sure every podcast is doing the smooth operator line this week, but it was a smooth, smooth operation from Carlos Sainz winning the race in Singapore from pole position as well, and, you know, it's only his second Grand Prix win, don't let David Croft tell you otherwise, because the man still doesn't know his stats properly, even though they've got Sean Statman Kelly sitting next to them, I think, during the um, races, but you know, his finest win, you know, they have only got two to choose from so far, but um, the fact that, you know, he was able to control this race from the outset, you know, from pole position, they were able to dictate the strategy, and, you know, for once, for once, Ferrari strategy didn't let Signs down, and, you know, Sainz has been, in my mind, you know, the better Ferrari driver this year, yes, you know, critics will say, oh, he's not as consistent or as fast as Charles Leclerc is, but... Last couple of races, you know, he's he's scored consecutive pole positions now, which you know you got to think about Monza too, getting pole position there, and generally qualifying has been Leclerc's stronger suit. So, what has signs found in the in the summer break or the mid-season break that he's come out and he's taken two of the three pole positions now, and also a win, you know. So, you know, just hats off and to me, who for the whole season had that optimism that, yeah, we'll see someone other than Red Bull win this year. I am guarantee it. <laughs> so slowly sweating, you know, I would have been in a lot more trouble with that sort of optimistic prediction if uh, Red Bull would have win in Singapore. But um, no, we, we had that you know, proven wrong, and now for the rest of the season, I don't care that Red Bull win the rest of the races, because you know, they they uh, someone else got in there and was able to win one and, and was really happy for signs and it was actually a really great race too, I mean, it might not have been Sort of in the middle part where there was a bit of a holding station and things seemed processional, but those final laps, you know, to have a four-way battle for the lead um, with your leading two cars on forty-two lap old hard tires, you had the Mercedes team who took the initiative during a late virtual safety car to pull the trigger and come in for a fresh set of tires for a set of medium tires for both cars, and. You know the pace that they were catching both signs and Lando Norris, who finished second. Carl Lando as well. You know on the podium together, one two. I think it it almost brought a tear to my eye watching the race because, like you know, what would have made this situation even sweeter was if it was a McLaren one too. You know if if signs was still with the team, but you know one of the few times that I'll actually cheer for Ferrari winning is. When Signs is in the car, because I am a quite a big fan of Signs and Lando, as you know as well. So both the Mercedes medium tires were hunting down the the leading two cars, and you know the rest is history. It was just made for a fascinating end to a Grand Prix. I'll talk more about the details later but we'll talk about the elephant in the room and that is red bull and having their rare off weekend and you know just plagued by issues with their car balance issues they just couldn't find the sweet spot um and it kind of casts you know my mind back to 2015 at this very race when you know you had the almighty mercedes nico rosberg lewis hamilton and they had a similar weekend where you know they were outside the top three the whole weekend and I think you know they basically salvaged you know they still have a pretty decent enough car to salvage points and and that's what they did and Verstappen to get a top five finish as well um I guess he was helped by an incident further up the grid uh towards the end of the race but you know, Verstappen, his class coming to show to finish in the top five after starting 11th, I think, was a really good, um, you know, recovery for them. So going back to qualifying, Signs had beaten George Russell to pole, Leclerc third, and it was covered by 0.07, you know, seven one-thousands of a second, basically, the top three. Uh, While well, you had the Red Bulls outside the top ten, um and some other really highlight performances, which we'll talk about later. But at the start, we had signs, basically, you know, he didn't look back at all. Russell was a bit frustrated, of course, because he lost um, a couple of positions and got a position handed back to him by his teammate, Lewis Hamilton, who went off around turn two, where the bollard is of the um, outside of the corner, uh, and, you know, Lando was a bit cranky as well, but, you know, there was no handing position back to him. But Leclerc started the race on the soft tyre. Everyone else was on the mediums around him. And that way he got the jump ahead into second. So Ferrari could control the race from the front as Signs was doing. We had a safety car deployed on lap 20 when Logan Sargent found the barrier at turn 8. Uh, and, you know, lucky he didn't, you know, cause you know terminal damage you know it was just lost his front wing and there was some debris on the track so that's why they had to bring the safety car out everyone ended up pitting except for the Red Bulls and there was double stacks plenty um and this is where we were like oh you know how are Ferrari going to mess this up and you know Signs was fine but it was Leclerc who I guess fell victim to his own backing up the pack behind him to make sure that There was a gap for signs to get in and out, and then also um, a slowish stop with a slow release because there was traffic behind him that was exiting, and he basically had to wait for his turn and ended up dropping down to fifth, you know, so losing the spots to likes Norris and both the Mercedes cars. So you know, not great for Leclerc at that point, but played the team game well, you got to say, because. You know, one thing that I was critical of in earlier races this year is the fact that you know Ferrari were very much in the Leclerc camp, and you know when Signs would be in a position where he would be the quicker car, we never saw them switch positions or do anything to benefit Signs. So for them to not try anything stupid here and say, oh well, we got to put Leclerc in the lead, um, you know, good for them. And it's kind of the reverse of Singapore 2019 when you know this happened and Vettel who was the second placed car at the time ended up benefiting and that's how he went on to win what was his last win in F1 (laughs) Um, for now unless you believe the rumors that he's going to come out of retirement not Um, and yeah then you had the Red Bulls who stayed out on the hard tires and they were able to jump up places into the top 10, but their tyre offset compared to the fresh set of hards that everyone else had meant that they plummeted. Um, and then this is the part where the race sort of settled into a holding pattern in the in the middle portion, and that was until we had... Um, Esteban Ocon have a gearbox failure and that was on lap 43 so he stopped the car at the exit of the pits at turn two and that brought out the virtual safety car which Mercedes ended up pulling the trigger on to get those fresh medium tyres and setting up that shootout till the end there was a 22 second gap between you know Hamilton who was the second of the Mercedes cars 22 seconds from him to the lead um lap 53 and lap 54 both Russell and Hamilton made it past Leclerc, and then lap 59 three laps from the end or four laps from the end we had one and a half seconds covering the top four and this is where things got really exciting because you know I thought hey, for sure they're gonna lose this but given the fact that it's a street circuit as well and overtaking is pretty scarce and you know we had some you know decent passing here at singapore this year and that ch- changes to the track i guess would have helped as well um you had signs actually helping lando ge- you know keeping the gap to you know just under a second so that lando would be able to get the rs behind him to hold off both the Mercs. so Sainz was the only one not getting DRS, of course, but he had just enough in the tank to be able to, you know, provide that assistance to Lando, ensure that, you know, neither of them would lose out, and then, you know, heartbreaking for Russell on the final lap, he clips the wall and then goes into the barriers at Turn 10, and that was his day done. You know, you could could criticise him and, you know, talk about him being amateur and whatnot, but at the end of the day he was trying they did something different and the fact that you know you 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 know didn't not try you know not make the bold call to put on medium tires and then settle for fourth or something or fifth not knowing that you could have actually you know potentially gone for the win that's great but i guess you know for future Russell will have to work on trying to iron out mistakes as well. And, you know, Lando was saying after the race that he had glanced the wall where Russell had kind of clipped it proper the lap before, you know, and, you know, then he kind of didn't make the same mistake again the following lap or was just lucky that he didn't get serious damage when he hit it. But, you know, it's just something that Russell will learn from at the end. And, you know, Hamilton as well putting pressure on him. And this is where I guess you know some critics will come out and say well Russell took too long to pass Lando and he got to a stage where he ended up having to sweat you know looking backwards as well because his teammate was all over his mirrors too and you know Hamilton just kind of um you know bided his time and and waited for an opportunity which was when Russell crashed to move into the top 3 but you also have to praise the defensive driving from Sainz and, and Norris as well for being able to keep Russell behind and frustrate him enough to make a mistake, so, you know, there's there's pros and cons to both arguments and whatnot, but I'm sure Russell as well will come back stronger from this, because he will have to, um, you know, if you're going to be a driver fighting for race wins on the regular and, and world championships, you're going to have to deal with pressure moments like that, so... You know, Signs and Norris have definitely demonstrated that, and hopefully Russell will do so next time for the Russell fans. Um, and yeah, you know, credit to Mercedes for taking the initiative, all despite the heroic efforts of Signs. So you know, that was your top three: Signs, Norris, and Hamilton. Um, Hamilton podium 196 now in his career so you know not too far from the 300 or 200 mark sorry not 300 um, and could easily reach that um, before the season done and it's a bit of a shame you know because Russell in recent races you know in in Zandvoort and Monza he looked a lot um, you know he rebounded a bit after a bit of a topsy-turvy first half of the season but you know while the speed is there and he's trying to unlock more you know Hamilton's been more consistent which you know was the was the reverse last year where Russell was definitely the more dominant driver and Hamilton as a result of that P3 moves into P3 in the championship too ahead of Fernando Alonso which we'll talk about Alonso shortly but yeah you know Hamilton very much showing his class and that's why I wrote an article you know or something that i contributed in an article that i wrote about hamilton signing that new deal for another two years and the potential why he could sign on beyond that into his 40s or it'll be 41 when the new deal expires in 25 at the end of 2025 but 2026 with the new engine regulations um if he's driving like he is at the moment and there's the carrot of an eight world championship dangling in front of him, then why wouldn't he want to? So it's just been really good to see him um, driving like this. So that was your top three. You had Leclerc coming home in fourth and, you know, I guess it was one of the radio quotes, I think, of uh, um, Mercedes, I think, to Russell saying that Leclerc is a sacrificial lamb for Ferrari. And, you know, I guess as well, he was happy to see the team win, disappointed that he didn't get to win it himself, or finish on the podium, but still, you know, first and fourth for Ferrari, a result that you would take any day of the week, given where they've been this season, and how they started off this season, so, you know, so many other teams have looked close to winning a race this year, you know, such as Aston Martin, or, or even Mercedes, McLaren, with their pace of that, but Ferrari took the initiative here, you know, like Mercedes with their strategy, and they did a good job and they pulled off the Victory Plus P4, so some handy points for them in the Constructors Championship as well, Um, and, you know, there is still potential for them to finish second. I didn't think I'd be saying this either, but yeah, they're, what, 23 points behind or 24 points behind mercedes so if you know mercedes have a shocker of a run but again you know the ferrari is very track specific and you know it was more surprising that after having a good weekend at monza that they come to a different circuit like singapore and had the form again so or an arguably better form than they did at monza so good on them for doing that um Leclerc fourth Verstappen fifth like I said and you know he made some good passes at the end of the day as well towards the end of the race on Pierre Gasly and Oscar Piastri Gasly finishing in the points for Alpine kind of hiding the fact that it was a bit of a dismal day really um with Ocon going out and again you know the reliability with the Alpine team is pretty horrific at the moment so you know they can pretty much kiss any hopes of finishing fifth in the championship goodbye and you know their target was to be closer to the top three this year than you know to the rest of the field and you know I've talked about the ad nauseum anyway so won't go too much into them. Checo in the other Red Bull coming home in eighth but he got a five second penalty for Colliding with Albon coming off the Anderson Bridge. And, you know, that was slam dunk penalty. I mean, what was he thinking with Albon turning in the way he did into that tight left-hander or hairpin, whatever you want to say. Just goes into his side pods, basically. So, not a great one there for Perez. And interesting that he copped the penalty and he didn't drop any positions. And then on the opening lap, and it wasn't seen on um, the broadcast, but he also hit... Tsunoda on the first lap, which caused a puncture on on the Alpha Tauri and for him to retire on the first lap. So sad for Yuki, the fact that you know two races in a row he hasn't even seen it the past the first lap. um But yeah, Perez didn't get anything to that. And you know while we're on the subject of penalties and consistency, I was so disappointed. You know not because it's you know Verstappen for example, but disappointed that after qualifying when you had you know him under investigation on three separate instances of impeding and you know Logan Sargent I think was another one who was being investigated that no penalties were dished out like at least one of them would have been a slam dunk five second penalty um or you know five place grid penalty three place grid penalty whatever nothing at all, so very bizarre again, and, you know, it'd be interesting if we get any other impeding penalties later this season, if we can compare them for for precedent, you know, and I hate, and I talked about this on the, or I was um, giving my opinion on it on the Grid Talk podcast over the weekend after qualifying, that I think it's ridiculous that, you know, this is the look that F1 has in qualifying, where, you know, everyone's trying to back up, like, you know, it's monkey see, monkey do, and, you know, for drivers who are like, oh, you know, we're the best in the world, we we will try to get the maximum... Yeah, you know, sometimes getting the maximum is not doing stupid things like that, and that's exactly the way I see it, is that it's monkey see, monkey do, and, you know, you've got zero brain cells if you think that that's a good idea, because one day there's going to be an accident that happens, or a big crash, like we saw with Lance Stroll, you know, and that was unrelated to backing up at the final corner, we're going to have a big crash, and then someone else is going to be blazing around the corner, or, oh, like, this is the scenario that I see it, and I don't want to see this happen, is you're going to have slow cars, you know, all backing up, and then you've got someone, for some reason, doing a fast lap, coming around a blind corner, ends up finding, you know, a queue of cars, and what happens then? You know, then they'll be like, oh, you know, it's all about getting the maximum, you know, I'm a racing car driver, go for the gap, Um, you know, I'm all for that, but this just looks idiotic. It looks idiotic at Monza, it looks idiotic at any circuit you do it at, but the thing is, there's no deterrent for them to tell them to stop doing it. It's the same with track limits, you know, back when we would have variable track limits, um, you know, rules where it would change track to track, corner to corner, you know. I love how they, you know, when the new um, race director came in, in 22, uh, Nils Wittich. I loved how it was, you know, you go off, you're, you're done, you know, that's it, there's no grey area to do, there should be no grey area for this as well, you know, they tried doing the minimum or maximum lap time, uh, enforced thing at, at Monza, no one really got penalized there, so, you know, maybe, you know, increase the maximum or like you know have a have a limit for every track you know obviously it'll depend on which track you're on because of the time it takes to get around it i know i'm waffling here but make it that that they can be punished for it and then people will stop otherwise if you're just slapping them on the wrist they're not going to care it's you know they're going to all pretend they're at and center and you know go for a gap you know, and be a racing driver, which, you know, I guess they are racing drivers, but you know what I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, expressing how, you know, dissatisfied I am with how it looks, Um but we'll move it on anyway, uh, P9, Liam Lawson, excellent race for him, Started on Saturday as well because he was credited for knocking Verstappen out in Q2, um, made it into the top 10 shootout into Q3, and also scoring AlphaTauri's best result of the year in P9. And, you know, the joke that was (laughs) running um, before they got points... This weekend in Singapore, that you know Alvatari has had more drivers this year than points scored because they'd only had the three points so far, thanks to three P10s from Sonoda. Uh, but scoring ninth then picking up an extra two points, well done. And you know, Lawson again putting his case forward for a 2024 seat. Ike, if he doesn't, then something's wrong with the system and you know the fact that you know they're even talking about him potentially being loaned off to Williams to replace uh, Sargent if he doesn't cut the mustard I mean he's a Red Bull junior driver isn't that what AlphaTauri is for and why put Daniel Ricciardo in the car like you all know how I feel about that and you know how I felt when he was announced to make his comeback this year after they dumped Nick De Vries but you know a Sonoda Lawson partnership or, or team nothing wrong with that but you know lawson ricardo could also be good too but then poor Sonoda, like it's through no fault of his own that you know he's not been able to perform any better you know when he's been given the opportunity in the last couple of years he's actually taken him and this year has been more difficult give him a better car and then we'll see what happens you know so hopefully next year we'll see that if we do get a lawson and Sonoda partnership but you know from hearing that, you know, it could be Ricardo or Ricardo and Sonoda for next year and then Lawson left with no drive, I mean, that's just ridiculous. But anyway, it's the Red Bull system in it, and that's the thing about Red Bull that I don't like is the way that they chew through drivers. And sorry, you know, after Nick DeVries going the way it did, you know, does Helmut Marco have any relevance anymore? I mean,. You know, this new chap who's running Red Bull now, Oliver laugh, you know, hopefully he gets to the stage where it's like, oh, well, you know, on your on your bike helmet, um, here's your pension package and happy retirement, because what are you actually doing for us at the moment, other than firing more drivers than you're hiring, basically, so you know it's it's yeah i could i could go on and about it for ages and that's the thing that really grinds my gears with red bull and you know not to mention that um marco's been a bit of a racist lately as well don't get me started on that um and then you know of course all the critics will come out and say how woke i am yeah you know i love you too um but yeah, that's that's the Red Bull thing. But great drive from Lawson. It'll be good to see him at Suzuka next weekend as well. Um, with a Ricardo return likely for Qatar, so we'll see. And that's not too far away either. Um, just two weeks after, or you know, a weekend off next weekend after Suzuka, and then we're heading over to the Middle East again p10 haas using their strategy of holding everyone up with kevin Magnussen actually worked and you know they were able to score p10 and some points for the first time in a few races uh you know again they were great in qualifying both hulkenberg and magnuson and magnuson actually out qualifying his teammate otherwise like there was a thing going around that if Um, Hulkenberg had outqualified Magnussen um, then he would have won the matchup for the year but you know it it goes on and now Magnussen will outqualify Hulkenberg for the rest of the year probably not because you know his qualifying form has been pretty shocking but you know for them to still pick up a point quite important and they really are in no man's land um, in the championship actually no they're not they're you know right there with Alfa Romeo and Alpha Tower, and you know there's only seven points covering those bottom three teams and you know all fighting for eighth in the championship. So that's quite glamorous for them we'll move it on anyway uh and Alonso so haven't mentioned <laughs> Aston Martin much yet apart from you know alluding to a crash for Lance Stroll in qualifying and thankfully he was okay but the car was not um and maybe he might have had concussion that's probably why he didn't they chose to sat him out, sit him out for the race anyway like he just did look like he was in control of the car that final sector when we had the onboard and then just you know put the car on the curb on the outside and um lost control that's all she wrote don't want to really say much more than that but you know and Alonso having a shocker arguably his worst race of the season I mean he scored points every race this season and to go from you know potential points finish to 15th which was last of the classified runners real horrible and first time we've actually heard Alonso criticize the car as well this year he said it was undrivable, and whether he got some damage from uh damage to the floor from when he went over the curbs uh for crossing crossing the pit lane entry whether he was like oh should I pitch should I not he did the Lewis Hamilton in 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 stay out stay out thing and copped a five second time penalty for that as well um you know who knows but yeah Aston Martin really you know showing the the what's the opposite of benefit you know showing the the real negatives of not being able to keep up with the development of their Um, rivals and the likes of Mercedes and McLaren and even Ferrari, who've gone on and won a race. I still can't believe him saying that. But yeah, that pretty much wraps up and Alfa Romeo was Alfa Romeo. Who knows what they're doing these days? You know, Bottas has got his mullet and his moustache. He's happy selling gin and doing all sorts of stuff. Um, But yeah. Oh yeah, Joe Guanyu did get re-signed for another season, so... There's people out there who are disappointed that Teo Pocher didn't, you know, get an opportunity. But I think, you know, what what is it really next year? To be honest, if anything, you want to put Chair and Pocher in the car 2025. You know, when Audi actually. Take over the team properly, and if you know Sauber do really rate him that much, then you know it's better to do it when you know Audi kicks in because you don't want him driving around at the rear of the field in mediocrity. So, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Looking ahead to Japan this weekend, I mean, I'm gonna be relishing in the fact that it'll be in a similar time zone to us on the east coast of Australia, not feeling. You know sad or remorseful for anyone else who wants to complain about it not being in a friendly time zone because do you guys give me any sympathy not really or if you do i don't hear it enough so enjoy people getting up at six o'clock in the morning to watch this one or whatever time you have to 3 p.m in the afternoon the time that you know you know sit down relax have a have a beer or something and 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 live blog the race and it'll be a good one because there's no clash with the Bathurst 1000 either which is just going to make my life so much better and enjoyable but red bull their opportunity to bounce back you know that both championships up to be um sealed as well whether mathematically they can do it this weekend coming you know they did win the drivers championship in japan last year under controversial circumstances but we won't go back there um and yeah you know it's also honda's home race so you know it'll be a good look if they could win the constructors championship here um and i fully think that they'll able to bounce back if not then it'll be a bit concerning because there was some speculation going around and you know very much dismissed in singapore that you know the technical directive over the ban on um or the rigidity of you know your floor and and wings you know to outlaw kind of the flexi floors and wings that have come back in they always seem to creep back in somehow um no matter what the rules say but whether that had actually stunted Red Bull in their performance in Singapore, it, it wasn't the case according to the team and, you know, to the technical experts and whatnot, but, you know, I can you could easily see from an outsider, an outsider would definitely say, oh, you know, it was our technical directive that they, you know, that clamped down not the case at all, Um, and then elsewhere, like I said, Hamilton moved into third in the championship as well, so whether Aston Martin and Alonso can bounce back this weekend, McLaren 78 points behind Aston Martin as well, and this, Suzuka is a circuit that, you know, McLaren are expected to do well at with their package, so hopefully we will see a good race, um, doesn't have to be as amazing as Singapore but you know as long as we get a good one I think it'll be it'll be quite nice so yeah that's it for F1 all right let's go over to supercars chat now because it's my favorite time of year and I'm sure for a lot of people out there too we love endurance racing but it's enduro season and you know always I'm going to have a little moan and and cry about the fact that there's no more Enduro Cup um you know it's you know they could have made Gold coaster Gold Coast as well into a into an endurance race god bring back the Gold Coast 600 but no it's not this year um but the first sandhound 500 since 2019 and also the first time since 2018 that it was the pre Bathurst Enduro because in 2019 they did re- switch Gold Coast and Sandown and Sandown was the last race of the Enduro Cup. Um, so you know, that brings back a lot of nostalgia and memories as well for people. And, you know, I'm sad that I didn't get to go this year. i'm too busy saving up for something else at the moment. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's always a great race. And the one year I don't go. The weather is amazing, you know. There's sunshine all three days, and and you know, really, really warm temperatures for you know early spring that it is here in Melbourne. 25, 26 degrees it got, but it made for a made for a great conditions for the race. Um, and we saw Master and Apprentice win. Brock Feeney, Jamie Wincup, you know, it was a great epic battle with the Erebus team, you know, both Erebus cars and both 888 cars involved, and, you know, even though we haven't had a Sandown 500 for a few years, it was a hat-trick for Wincup, because Wincup won in 2018 with Paul Dumbrell, he won in 2019 with Craig Lounce, and with his apprentice in Brock Feeney this year, and you know, his sixth win as well at Sandown, and also Triple H's 250th win in, in Supercars, which is the most of any team, so big, big congratulations to them, they did really well, had one and three for, for the Red Bull and Paul Racing team, because Shane Van Gisbergen and, and Richie Stanaway came home and finished third in the end, and it was a great battle between him and Will Brown towards the end of the race, with them coming home tops and it was because Brown made an error at the back of the um, end of the back straight that allowed SVG to pass but you know SVG qualified down in 17th it was a dismal dismal effort from him but in the race you know we had stanaway making in roads early great stint from him and stanaway of course has won this race before with cam waters on on first time asking back in 2017 one of my favorite Sandown wins um of the modern era definitely um and also a statement to make for richie because he's coming back next year full time for Grove racing so he's definitely got what it takes and you know with someone like a van gisbergen as well <clears throat> those questioning his motivation and whatnot as he sort of waits out the days now until he moves to the United States to do NASCAR, um, you know, it was still a great drive from him, but we had in qualifying the Erebus cars battling it out in the top 10 shootout, so Brown had beat Brody Kostecki, who was still the championship leader in the shootout, it was a great, great shootout, no qualifying races this year, instead they've got the, um, they had the top 10 shootout, I guess it make sense with everything else but you know part of my sand down nostalgia is the saturday races as well with a co-driver only race and, and then the main drivers get in um feeney was fifth and then like i said svg down in 17th and then you had the second row of the grid shared by the 17 shelby power racing car the davison brothers and the six monster energy mustang of cam waters and james moffat the race started perkins led jack perkins that is in the nine car partnered with will brown win cup was on the attack early and got past david russell who's kosteki's team uh, co-driver on the third lap and then by lap 41 He was able to pass Perkins for the lead, but that was after we had a bit of a safety car period, and that was because there was a freak crash on lap 19 for Garth Tander in the Penwright Racing Ford Mustang. Tander in a Ford, never thought I'd be saying that, but anyway, he doesn't seem too fazed by it, because the left rear wheel just came off going through the S's and that's bizarre because it wasn't even after a pit stop so you can't say that it was a loose um, loosely fitted wheel so there must have been some kind of suspension failure or axle you know just gave in or whatever but what a he pirouetted and eventually came to a rest of the gravel you know disappointing because both the Penrite cars looked really quick you know, um, and they looked like they could have been top forwards on the day, which, you know, they were in the end, but quite a way down, Um, but Tandon Reynolds is definitely a partnership to be looking at for Bathurst as well, depending what the parity situation is there, but yeah, you know, so sad to see them out of the race that early, and, you know, what had happened as a result of that, you know, talking about a bad day for Ford, um, bizarrely, that loose wheel bounced and knocked the rear wing (laughs) off the number six car so Moffat was in behind um, but you know wasn't that close behind but yeah the rogue wheel just went and kind of bounced and knocked the rear wing clean off the the rear of Moffat's car and you know that of course meant that they had to pit and do some repairs and make sure it was all legal but just in just with that you know really weird incident you had two, um, you know, contend, you know, two lead Ford cars, two cars that could have been in contention out of the race early on, and that was really disappointing, he also had some, you know, stuff going on with Walkinshaw and Dreddy United as well, because, um, Moster had to make some or the Mostert Lee Holdsworth car had to make repairs early on too but then they ended up um you know throwing away their their race not that there was much in it anyway at the end on lap 149 when um Mostert kind of turned Declan Fraser around at turn four and he was hit with a 15 second time penalty and they finished all the way down in P22 with um the Nick perkat and Fabian Coulthard um NTI Mustang behind them in 23rd so yeah you know when you look at if whether it was a good day for Ford or not or where the best place Ford was it was P6 with um Matt Payne and Kevin Estra because we had a Holden top five or not Holden Chevrolet sorry <laughs> with the Camaras but impressive performance though you got to say from Payne his first time I think at a Sandown 500 but also Kevin Estra it's not you know, not, like, I feel like it's being disrespectful by calling him a rookie, because he's not a rookie, he's so experienced, and just the weekend before Sandown, he was at Fuji in the WEC race, and got on the podium, outright podium for Porsche as well, and he's, you know, had so much experience racing Porsches and sports cars all over the world, and going over to Bathurst as well, I think that will take a lot of confidence, because, estra's driven at mount panorama before he's actually been on the class podium there i think um i want to say 2019 or maybe 2018 i'm not sure and i think he was driving in one of the (laughs) favorite porsche liveries on a on a um on a Bathurst 12-hour GT3 car, with Icebreak on it, if you're familiar with Icebreak Ice Coffee, (laughs) seeing it on a Porsche, and you know, I think, I remember Pat Long, um, you know, really, really well-known Porsche GT driver, Pat Long was on the podium, uh, class podium back in 2017, and you know, he was in the Icebreak car, so it just makes me laugh, anyone who wears Icebreak on their overalls, but anyway, that's a zine joke, I guess, (coughs) And then you had uh, the Davison brothers and Anton Di Pasquale, Tony Delberto in the 11 uh V-Power Mustang, they were 7th and 8th, so, you know, not the greatest for them, and then, yeah, all these other cars kind of nowhere, and the same with Todd Hazelwood, Tim Blanchard, they qualified 6th and finished in 17th too, so not the greatest day for Ford, but, you know, focusing on the battle at the front, um, you know, both teams kind of kept mirroring each other in terms of the pit stops and it was great to see as well with the gen 3 cars that you know they didn't have the mandated pit stops like they did with the previous um gen because the the disparity between fuel usage and, and tire life or whatever you know they've got bigger fuel tanks on these cars but the the tires get used up a lot quicker so you know that creates for a great little battle in terms of you know, in terms of strategy, but also because yeah, the fuel usage is you know the fuel usage and tanks are quite similar between these two cars and then what the previous generation was, so that's why that happened. So who knows? Maybe we'll get to Bathurst and they'll be like, cool. Well, that uh, rule about seven mandatory pit stops, forget about it. <laughs> um, but it will be interesting to see what the parity situation is there. Uh, Kostecki coming home in second, of course, and Brown fourth, and what that's done for the championship as well. Let's take a look at the points. It has strengthened Kostecki's position, and this is going to be interesting, you know, coming out of the enduros because really, for the rest of the season now, we've got Bathurst, Gold Coast, Adelaide. They're not sprint races. They're worth big points, so you know, mistakes, even if you know they're little, like what Brown made um, at Sandown. Are not going to be, you know, you're not going to come back from it easily, and you know, for him to have a shocking weekend like he did at the Bend, you know, before Sandown, you know, he's sitting almost 300 points adrift of his teammate now. So, you know, it's it's looking like a bit of a one horse race, but I wouldn't rule out the likes of Van Gisbergen and, and and Feeney as well because Triple Eight are so consistent. But yeah, you know, when you look at the points now, like Mostert's lost a spot to sixth Heimgartner up to fifth you know Andre Heimgartner doing a great job this year for Brad Jones Racing and you know really consistent um and then yeah you know the top forward is still mustard but now in sixth and 500 points adrift of the championship leader so you know that's (laughs) says a lot about um you know where they they're at as a team but also I guess forward with the whole parity situation and you know I don't want to harp on much about that now but um yeah it'll be interesting when we get to Bathurst because a track like Mount Panorama is a real test of aerodynamics particularly going over the top of the hill is there going to be um a disadvantage for for the Mustang team so yeah you know for for the big big race of the year the Blue Riband event um you know and because Ford's not going to win any championships this year you know they'll want to they'll want to at least take some kind of caveat and bathurst is usually that and yeah we'll see if they're on a level enough playing field to be able to do that so yeah we'll leave it at that thank you anyway for tuning in this week as always you know be sure to look out for the socials the at Hitty apex media on on x um and then yeah there's a link tree to all the other platforms that i'm on and stuff and be sure to check out grid talk as well grid talk uk are their handles now on on socials and yeah hopefully be on there this weekend for the japanese grand prix and i'll be back on hit the apex to wrap it all up next week so until then take care and stay safe and farewell